Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. Instead of becoming yet another burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm now on a mission to help lawyers do just that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both life and law. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hello there. This is Heather Mulder, the host of Life in Law Podcast, and I'm so happy to have you with me here today. So today's topic is all about how to stop comparing yourself to others, to other people, to their achievements, and so on, so that you can stop worrying about what everybody else does, start really focusing in on what you want to be doing, and to really feel content with who you are and where you are in your life, no matter what's going on, okay? And I think this is an important topic to get into today because of several reasons. Number one, I do see this come up a lot in my clients, and I know it came up a lot back when I was practicing law, both in those that I mentored, and frankly, it's come up a lot within my own life, both when I practiced law and frankly, when I first started this business, it came up, and I had to work again on really focusing in on the solutions I'm going to give you today to help me get over that. So I do think it is something that some of us tend towards, and I'm here to tell you I am one of those people. It has definitely come up within my life at various times, and I'm also here to tell you that there are things you can do to stop it and to counteract it and to make it work for you a little bit better and to really just don't allow it to steal your joy because it is a joy stealer. Comparison is definitely a joy stealer, right? I find it interesting that I haven't actually dealt with this yet. I couldn't believe it. I was asked, I guess, a couple of months ago by Lori Mihalik Levin, whom I had on this podcast a few months back as well, to talk about parental leave. And for those of you who have young children or might be going on parental leave or are interested in having kids or maybe going on parental leave at some point in the future, I do highly recommend the episodes with Lori. There were two of them. And I'll link to those in the show notes. But she asked me, well, can you come and talk about this topic with my audience? She does these wonderful monthly conversations where she does kind of a Q&A format for her audience. And she wanted me to come in and talk about comparing and how to get over it and why it happens. And as I was doing that, I realized, wow, I haven't talked about this really on my podcast. And so I think it's time to do it. And so that is what we are getting into today. So before we get started, I do have a couple of quick housekeeping items for you. So number one, if you are not yet a subscriber, please do be sure to hit the subscribe button or whatever they call it. I think Apple Podcasts has recently changed what they call it, but hit that button to make sure that you are on that list and get notifications whenever a new podcast comes out. Number two, If you are enjoying this podcast, I have a quick request for you that is really simple to do, but it's going to do me a huge favor, and that is to please share it. Share it on your favorite social media site, be it Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever it is, and just share your favorite episode and let people know what you liked about it. I am trying to get this in front of as many people as possible. You would be doing something very quick and easy, but 
make no mistake, you'd be helping me a lot by doing that, and I'd so appreciate it. And then finally, if you have not yet downloaded the Life & Law Roadmap, be sure to do that. It is your step-by-step guide using my framework that I utilized for myself and that I utilize with my clients for how to create a more fulfilling legal career and personal life without burning out. Okay, so enough of the housekeeping items. Let's get into today's topic, and that is how to stop comparing yourself to others. So in order to stop comparing I think it's important to understand why we compare and where this comes from. First and foremost, your brain is designed to compare. You need it to some extent, right? It's how you decide whether something is the same, better, worse, etc. So it's one of the ways that your brain gains understanding around who you are, what you're good at, what you're not so good at, and then also understanding of the world in general and other people and the choices that are out there. So comparison in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing, okay? Another thing to note is you're often not aware that this is even happening. It's in the background. It's in your subconscious. When it becomes a problem is when you start ruminating or dwelling on what others are doing or what they have that you can't do, haven't done yet, or don't have, right? Or maybe other people's achievements that are better or different than yours in a way where you would like that and you don't yet have it, or maybe you think you can't get it. That's when it becomes a big problem. And here's the deal. It's a lot easier to do nowadays than it used to be. So although we have this comparisonitis within us that can be good, it can go into overdrive. And I think that the way we tend to live these days allows it to go into overdrive a whole lot. We're always online or often online. We have social media, especially Instagram and Facebook and all these things showing us the best of everybody else's life, right? It's everybody's highlight reels. The problem is your brain is really bad about remembering that it's their highlight reels and that you're not really seeing everything. And what happens within our brains a lot of times, and I've talked about this before, I think I talked about it back in episode number two when I talked about lawyer stress, our brains are pre-wired to be more negative. And so what it tends to do is it tends to focus in on all the negative stuff in your life and not remind itself that there's negatives in other people's lives. So you're looking at their highlight reel and you're comparing it to the messiest moments of you and your life, which of course is not apples to apples and is the worst thing you could possibly do because it's only going to make you feel bad and push you into ruminating over it more and more. I also think it's especially common in lawyers because we are trained to compare. We are trained to look for the worst. We are trained to be very risk averse. And I think that our natural tendencies within our brain, coupled with our lawyer training, can really lead us to compare in more unhealthy ways. The other thing is remember that you as a human being are wired to connect, right? We need to belong. We want to belong. And with social media and the way that we see all these images, especially on Instagram and even in the news media and the way like magazines and other things cover people and their lives, constantly showing us all these highlights, right? 
our need to belong kind of goes haywire on us. And we think, what is wrong with me? Why do I not have that? Why can't I do that? Why can't I get that? And so it creates this negativity piece within the comparison. So when I say that comparison isn't always bad, it can actually sometimes be used for good. If you're looking at somebody who has achieved something that you very much want and you see, okay, there's a gap here, that's a comparison. But you have two roads that you can go into, right? You could go into the negative, oh my God, woe is me. I'm never going to get it or that's just so hard or, you know, they've got this amazing thing and I don't think that's possible for me. Or you could look at it and go, okay, well, here's the gap. Here's what they did. Here's how I could utilize that for myself. There are two routes. But again, our brain and the way that it's wired and the way that we as lawyers are wired tend to go the negative route. And so that's where we get into trouble. And I got to tell you, women are more prone to this than men, although I have seen a fair number of men who compare as well and get caught up in it. So it's not just a female thing, y'all. Men and women definitely do this, but research does show that um, women have more of a propensity towards comparison. And that's especially case when it comes to comparing our bodies and our roles as parents. I see that a lot as well within women more so than men. And just to give you a little bit of an example of what I'm talking about when I say you, you have two routes and you can do the negative or the positive route. When I was a kid, I didn't have a lot, right? I had a tough childhood with an alcoholic mom with very bad taste in men. And I've gone into this a little bit before. But if you want to know a little bit more about my story, you can go back to episode number one to hear more about it. But I compared my life to other people's. I looked around and I saw the lives of the of the families, especially, that I wanted. And I looked at the qualities that those families had and I made note of them. And yes, sometimes I felt a little bit jealous, but mostly what I did is I said, I want that. And I can't have it now, but I know I can create it one day. And I kind of looked towards people who I thought were relatively successful, that seemed happy, that made good money, that had all these characteristics that I wanted, right? And I asked myself a bunch of questions of, okay, well, how can I do that? So that's a positive way of looking at, you know, utilizing comparison and using it to your benefit. The problem is that it kind of turned against me (laughs) as I got older. So it launched me to do really well in school. It launched me to get into a good college and then a good law school and then get a good job. All of that, it helped me do But once I started practicing, it started going a little haywire for me. And I started looking at all these attorneys who, by the way, were like 10, 15, 20, 25 years my senior. And I started thinking, God, I'm not that smart. I'm never going to get there. And I started beating up myself for it. And sadly, it was ridiculous if you think about it because I was comparing me as a first, second, third year attorney to these 10, 15, 20, 25 year attorneys. And of course, I wasn't as smart as them. They had a lot more, you know, background. They had been in it for a lot longer. They had knowledge that I just didn't have yet. And as those of you who practiced for a while know, a lot of what you, what makes you a good lawyer is experience 
and just getting, you know, getting the knowledge down and understanding also the business side, which a lot of that you just don't get until you start practicing and start doing and start getting to know, you know, your industry and the clients that you tend to work with. And so, of course, I wasn't as good as them. And I was never going to be yet. But one day I could get there. But I didn't see it that way. I didn't I didn't look at it that way. I stopped looking at it from the perspective of somebody who could utilize it to figure out what I needed to learn and how to learn it in a positive manner and started beating up myself over it. And so that's when I first started really looking into okay, how do, how can I stop this? And I did eventually. So this brings us to what can you do about it? How do you counteract it when it goes negative so that you can reframe it maybe? Use it in a positive manner and then also really just diminish the amount of time that you even utilize to compare yourself to others. Because although I do think it can be a little bit useful in small doses, I think when it tends to go haywire is when we start comparing ourselves too much. And so that's what we're going to get into next. The what can you do? So we're just going to go right into it. We're going to get into some very practical tools that will allow you to stop comparing yourself, your results, et cetera, to other people so that you can really start focusing in on you and living the best life that you can live as opposed to worrying all the time about what everybody else is doing and how you may or may not be measuring up. Let's get into tool number one. Tool number one is about how to personify your inner critic. And we've gone over this before, so I'm not going to belabor this too much, but it is a very important tool that can be utilized in a lot of ways. And I've talked about it before in facing down your fears, etc. But personification of your inner critic is useful for that inner voice, that inner dialogue that we all have that just tends to be very negative, okay? And she doesn't just show up, and I say she because I'm a she, She doesn't show up only when you have fears. She also shows up when you have doubts, when you worry, and when you compare. She is that negative Nelly that is inside of you that kind of is sitting there kind of reminding you of all the ways you do not measure up. And so this is why personifying your inner critic um, can be so helpful in this area. Because what happens when we start comparing is we start getting so wrapped up in that narrative And we put ourselves into the place of her, of that voice, and it sends us down that spiral, which is what we don't want. We want to get out of it or not even go into the spiral in the first place. And personifying her as another person helps you kind of stay separate and be a little bit more neutral when these thoughts and feelings start to surface and you start to notice them, okay? So here's how you do it. You think of him or her as a person, okay? I've mentioned this before, but I love the movie Inside Out, and I used to call mine Negative Nelly, but now she is sadness because I love that movie so much. So again, if you haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend you do because it's actually going to help you to do this, okay? So she's negative but necessary. She's there to warn you so that you can think through issues, plan accordingly, to remind you of things that you might want to remember. The problem is she tends to go overboard and she never wants to stop. She gets super repetitive. And so you want to name her and you want to talk to her as another person and say, okay, what are you worried about? How are you feeling? What's going on here? And then when you listen to her, do not allow her to repeat herself. When she starts to get repetitive, you stop her and say, thank you. 
You've done your job. You've told me everything you can. It's time for me to go think on it and you can go away now. Okay? I know this sounds weird and stupid, but (laughs) it really, really helps. I promise you. Every single client I've ever had that I've recommended this to has been helped by it and is floored by how well this works. Just to neutralize kind of the emotions, help you not get caught up in it, and to step back and be able to tackle not just the feelings that are coming up for you, but more importantly, the beliefs that are behind those feelings. Because whatever it is you're feeling in those moments, they are based on thoughts, beliefs, things that you have that you think, kind of a narrative that you're telling yourself or a story that you're telling yourself about who you are and what you're capable of and how the world works. And I guarantee that Some of these you think of as truths or fact, and they're not. They're opinions. And so this is going to help you get behind those and get more real about what's going on so that you can tackle them head on. All right, so that is tool number one. Tool number two is to practice some mindfulness, to be more mindfully aware. And this is a tool that you can utilize in several different ways. But you can also, one of the ways that you can utilize it is when you're talking to that inner critic, you take it another step, right? So remember, you listen to her, you ask the right questions, and then you tell her, okay, thank you, I need to think on it. Well, as you're talking to her, and then as you think on it after you've let her go, you want to be more mindful and really start identifying the specifics, okay, of what's going on. And you're going to find that you have certain themes that tend to trigger you more than others. Certain people or certain events or circumstances or maybe um, things that, you know, you see in your life that trigger these feelings to happen. So you want to pay attention to that because that's going to be kind of a clue for how to go about tackling it and getting over it. Okay, so when you're looking at this, you want to ask, okay, what are my triggers? When does this tend to show up? Who am I with? Or what type of people am I with? What am I doing? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? Put words to the feelings. Don't just let them be there. Put words to them. This actually helps you to separate from them and not feel like they're so overwhelming. Identify what they are, and it's probably more than just one, okay? So it may be envy and anger and frustration and sadness all together. That's okay. And then start asking yourself, okay, what's behind it? What are those thoughts that are behind it? What's that narrative or the rule or the belief, whatever it is, behind why I feel like I do? And this is really important to ask this very specifically because oftentimes you're going to find that some of your thoughts tend towards catastrophizing. We, we, we do this naturally as human beings, okay? And I think our lawyer-trained brains especially go there because we are trained to look out for the worst. And so you can look at it and go, okay, how realistic is this? Like, really? Ask that, really? How realistic is this? It's going to start pointing out how unrealistic some of it is so that you can step beyond it and go, okay, I'm done with worrying over that and comparing myself over these things. Now, not everything is going to fall into that category, right? So the reason why this process is so important for that is because it's going to help you to really gain better insight and understanding 
And that's why mindfulness is so important. Mindful activities are around awareness. The whole point for most mindful activities is to become and be more aware, not just of your surroundings and other people, but of you and your own thoughts. And once you can get behind the stories you're telling yourself and the beliefs that you have, you can tackle them head on. When you stay stuck in the feelings themselves and just, I compare myself to X, Y, and Z and oh, woe is me and I'm, I feel so bad about it and you can't get out of it just by looking at the comparison. You've got to get behind the, the feelings and the thoughts that are going on. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about and why this can be so powerful. So I recently had somebody come up to me and ask, okay, I have an issue with comparing myself. I keep comparing myself to someone at my prior job, and I just don't know why. I wanted to leave. I made the decision to leave. I felt pigeonholed in my blast role, and yet I can't feel happy where I am now because I keep comparing myself to the person who replaced me. And thinking that I'm just not good enough. And maybe they were right to get rid of me, even though I'm the one who made the choice to leave. And that they've got somebody better now. And it's killing my joy. Just absolutely killing my joy. And so I started asking her some questions through a coaching session. And we got behind it. And it turns out that there were two things going on. Number one, she hadn't felt fully appreciated at her old job. And number two, she was incredibly hurt by the fact that they didn't fight for her, that she announced that she was leaving and nobody wanted her enough to fight for her. She'd been there for a very long time. She'd kind of expected it. And she didn't realize that that was what was behind this comparison. So once we got behind it and realized, oh, it really relates to these other things, we were then able to deal with it. And she was, it, it kind of opened her eyes to it and she was able to move forward to deal with those thoughts and feelings. And the comparison started to diminish and eventually went away. So this is why I say it's really, really important to utilize these two tools that I've taught you so far to be mindfully aware while personifying your inner critic to get behind the thoughts that are actually causing you to feel the way that you do. Because there's more to it than I'm just comparing myself. Okay, so another tip when it comes to using mindfulness, I highly recommend meditation. I've mentioned this before, I think back in episode seven, um, when I talked about mindfulness, there's a lot of ways to practice mindfulness. One of them is to meditate. And I also highly recommend journaling. Journaling is a great way to really get clear around the thoughts that are going on in your head. Oftentimes, we don't take enough time to allow those thoughts to get out. And so what meditation does is it allows you some space, some free space for your subconscious thoughts to come out that are trying to get out. And also journaling, which you can utilize when meditating or right after meditating of, you know, writing down those thoughts. Or you can just do a journaling exercise where you have a notebook in front of you as you're asking yourself these questions and you get it down on paper. There is something that happens for a lot of people when they write things down. And this is why I think journaling can be so helpful. I'm not actually big on journaling on a very regular basis. It, I don't find it helpful to do it like daily like some people do. I, I have clients who do. What I do find journaling myself to be incredibly helpful with is when I'm really working through more difficult emotions or um, really difficult circumstances and I, I'm asking myself these questions as I'm talking to my version of sadness 
and I write those things down because it helps me to more clearly see what's going on, okay? And there's also something about you start writing and more and more just starts to flow out from you. You'll be surprised how much can come out. So I highly recommend that sometimes if you're especially feeling um, bad and you're dealing with that inner critic and regardless of whether it's dealing with comparison, a fear, a worry, some self-doubt, whatever it is, that you sit down and give yourself, even if it's just a three to five minute meditation to allow your thoughts to start bubbling out, right, to the surface. And then maybe have a journal nearby where you just ask yourself those questions and then write it down. Okay, and again, if you would like some more techniques for how to utilize mindfulness for yourself with respect to reducing stress and even preventing stress, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to episode number seven. All right, so we've gone through personifying your inner critic. We've gone through utilizing some mindfulness techniques. Now let's go on to tool number three. And that is to reframe who you are competing with. Now, I've talked a little bit about reframing before. And reframing is a technique where you utilize, um, it's, it's called cognitive reframing. When you're looking at something that's stressful or negative and you don't just focus on all the bad, you look for the good. So I believe very strongly that whatever situation you are faced with, no matter what is going on, there is something good to be had. Now, maybe it's just something that you've learned, or maybe you're going through a stressful scenario that you look forward to the end results, even though the current situation is very difficult. But there is something to either look forward to or that you, you know, you can benefit from. So that is what we usually talk about when we're talking about reframing. That isn't exactly what we're talking about here, though. So this tool is about reframing who you're actually competing with. So comparison, when it goes awry, is when you're comparing yourself and and or your results to someone else and their results. So instead of comparing yourself to others, I want you to focus on you, your journey, the progress you've made, where you are as compared to where you were three months ago, six months ago, a year ago whatever, okay? Now, journaling can actually help a lot with this if you want to do it regularly, not necessarily every day, but maybe weekly or monthly or something so that you have something that you can go back and see what you were working on and struggling with in the past and how far you've come. When doing this, what I find that helps the most is to have very clear goals because it's a lot harder to compare yourself to your previous version if you don't have something with which to measure yourself against. So goals can be very important for that because when you have goals, then you have something to measure against, right? So for example, I like to set annual goals. I set it at the beginning of a year and then I look at it at the end of the year, right? And at the end of the year, I have a process where I look back on the year and I kind of compare where did I start? Where did I think I would end up? Where did I actually end up? And regardless of whether I actually achieved my goal, hit it out of the ballpark or whatever, I then look at, okay, what are all my little mini achievements along the way? You know, what skills and strengths did I strengthen and develop? What did I learn? How did I grow? And I focus in on those things. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. And I don't just do it at the end of the year, although at the end of the year, I do it in a big kind of a process. And FYI, if you're interested in this, I do plan towards the end of this year to hold 
some type of a, a workshop to help people with that. So if that's something of interest, be on the lookout. But I actually do this quarterly. And so every quarter, I kind of look back at that quarter, see what I've done, see how I've progressed, and figure out, you know, what changes I may need to make moving forward. And then at the end of the year, I do kind of a bigger review process. And so when you have this type of a a framework and a process, it's a lot easier then to look in on your progress as you go and start looking at what, you know, how you're competing against yourself as opposed to comparing yourself to other people. So I highly recommend that you give it a try and that you stop looking at others and instead just look in at yourself and compete with yourself, okay? And the one thing I do want to warn you when you're doing this, be careful not to obsess over where you still haven't gotten. The trick is to really focus in on, okay, even though I have a gap between where I want to be and where I am, I've come a long way. And to focus then on the gap that you've already made up, okay? So to look back instead of too much forward. So number three was reframe who you're competing with. Number four is not going to be a surprise given that I think I've talked about this before, but it's to practice gratitude. And you might be thinking, well, okay, that's interesting and all. And I think gratitude is a helpful exercise. But Heather, how on earth does gratitude help me to stop comparing? (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you, I promise. So first and foremost, a quick note about gratitude. It's not just about thinking positive, okay? It's about looking for real world things to be grateful for. Real world things. And not just being positive. It does not make all the negative stuff go away. But it does change how you perceive yourself and how you perceive the world around you if done right. So imagine how always being on the lookout for the good within your life, within the world, even within yourself, can change your perception of you and your place in the world. And so gratitude is kind of another way to help you reframe your focus so it can be used very effectively hand in hand with the reframe technique that I just talked about. So here are some simple and quick rules for how to practice gratitude properly because I did say if done right. Number one, be very specific. It is not enough, not enough to be grateful for general stuff, my job, Um, my spouse, my kids, my house, that's no, that's not going to help you. Remember, you are trying to retrain your brain to see the good things. And oftentimes, the best things are the littlest things. And those are actually the bigger game changers. Also, specificity is important for that as well. The next thing is three to five things on the regular, okay? And when I say on the regular, either daily or at least four to five times per week. Again, you're not going to retrain your brain if you're not doing it often enough. And I don't want to hear any excuses, y'all, about this because it only takes a couple of minutes to do this. So, you know, three minutes of your time per day tops to drastically change your attitude and how you see yourself and how you see the world. I think it's worth it. The next rule is vary what you're grateful for within those three to five things. So maybe something that you saw or experienced, something that happened to you or somebody you loved or a friend, and something you're grateful for that pertains to you, right? Your strengths, your skills, your challenges, a response that you had. So how you're showing up in the world, 
how you've helped somebody, how you've helped yourself. That's going to help you specifically with the comparison because you're going to start seeing yourself very differently in a much more positive light and not in a false positive light, by the way, in a realistic positive light because it's going to be real. The other thing I would say is say why. I'm grateful for the hot shower I had this morning because it felt good on my sore muscles. I'm grateful for the belly laugh of my toddler this morning because it gave me a smile and made me realize how the little things do matter, right? And it got me out of a funk and no longer being mad at my husband for loading the dishwasher the wrong way. I'm grateful for tripping on my words today during an important presentation because I learned that it doesn't really matter and I was able to quickly recover, make a joke of it, and move on. That's one of those things that many of us would focus on, oh my God, I'm such an idiot, how could I do that? No, turn it around and be grateful for it. What did you learn from it? How did it turn out okay regardless or maybe even better because people saw you as a regular human? Finally, and this isn't a necessary, but I highly recommend it, write it down. It is very helpful to write down your gratitude, your regular gratitude practice, especially for those moments when life gets messy and difficult and you need a little reminder of why it's still okay. (laughs) You can go read it. Okay, so we've been through personifying your inner critic, how to use mindfulness to help with that and to help get behind your thoughts. How to reframe so that you compete with you and not other people. And how to utilize gratitude to change how you perceive yourself so that you can get away from self-comparison. Let's get into the final tool. Leading with your values. So if you are a regular listener to this podcast, this is not going to sound like a surprise, right? I've talked about values before. I've talked about them in how to redefine success. I've talked about them in how to get unstuck. And I've even talked about them in how to deal with changing priorities. And those are actually three separate episodes that I will link to in the show notes. They're also incredibly important for overcoming social comparison. Here's how. Your values are what unlock contentment in life. So we all have unique values. They are your guiding principles or rules for how you want to live your life. So some examples, service, family, connection, competition, to have fun, to inspire, honesty. Those are just some examples of common values that I see. So what are yours? You intuitively know them. Be sure that you've taken some time to sit down Put words to what your values are and define them. What do they mean to you? Why are they so important? And then make sure that you have a vision for how you want to live your life, that you know what success means to you. Go back and listen to those episodes that I mentioned earlier. Make sure that your goals are values-based. Remember, goals are important for comparison's sake so that you compare yourself against you and your previous version of yourself, as opposed to other people. Having values-based goals are incredibly important for that process. It makes it a lot more effective. It makes it easier. When making big decisions, say a recruiter calls you and says, we have this great position we think you'd be wonderful for, whether, whether to say yes. 
even, whether to look into it, whether to jump ship if it does seem like a good offer. All of these bigger decisions that we make in our lives, whether to get married, whether not, whether to have kids, you know, that kind of things, you should be running them through your values to make sure that they're good decisions for you, that they're the right ones. This is how to make decisions that you're content with. And that's another way to help stop you from comparing yourself because oftentimes we end up comparing ourselves when we feel like we've done something that's just not, it's out of sync with who we are. We don't fully agree with it. That means it's not in alignment with your values. And so when you're making decisions that are values-based decisions where they are leading the way, you are much less likely to get caught up in comparing yourself and your results to others because you'll know, okay, I did the right thing. This was right for me and I'm okay with it. All right. So that is it. Those are five very simple, easy to utilize tools that you can start using immediately to stop comparing yourself to others and start feeling more content in who you are and where you are in life no matter where you still want to get to. couple of things before I let you go. Number one, be sure that you've downloaded the Life & Law Roadmap if you haven't already. Secondly, please do hit the subscribe button if you are not yet a subscriber so that you will get regular updates of this podcast. And finally, please do consider sharing this on your favorite social media network. I would be forever grateful. All right, that is it for today. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a subscriber, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both life and law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.